A Shot of Life is sponsored by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Prep Program. Get in touch with Anton on Facebook or email at ncaprep at torontosom.ca to find out how you can start prepping for your NCA exams on your own time, on demand, through pre-recorded modules taught by Canadian trained lawyers, as well as study guides and notes that cover the entire NCA syllabus. Mention the discount code is Shot of Life to get 10% off your purchases with TSOM. You don't have to study alone. Get in touch with Anton and get started on your journey to becoming a lawyer in Canada today. Welcome to A Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind their professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell. On the show today is Harry Brar. Harry is an internationally trained lawyer with an immense passion for immigration law. He graduated from a top-tier law school in India called Punjab University. Harry is the founder and principal lawyer at Harry Brar Law. Immigration, real estate, and family law are areas of specialization. Though he was a science student, transitioning into law is the best decision he says he's ever made. Harry was called to the bar in November of 2020. He feels happy helping people who reach out to him for guidance regarding the NCA, lawyer licensing, and moving to Canada. He always tells them that in the beginning, everything might seem overwhelming, but it's worth it. Harry's advice for everyone getting licensed in Canada is that it's a long and expensive process, so it's important to save your money and spend very wisely, and it's all worth it. Hi, Harry. Hi, Anton. How are you? Very well, very well. Thank you. And thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. So um, as is usually the case these days, um, and even more so now, given the pandemic caused a lot of people to sit at home and start exploring ways that they could get themselves out there. I've noticed you a lot on social media. And so, um, and I'm sure, you know, maybe you've noticed me in the podcast in the same way. But um, I was happy to see you and then uh, connect with you over social media on Instagram. And here we are today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be a part of this podcast. I was also following your podcast since last one year. Oh, nice. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of started as, as a bit of a hobby and kind of exploded into something that I actually really enjoy. And I've heard others find, you know, relatively helpful in their own journeys and um, I'm thinking in this particular case I am hoping and thinking that people will find this particular episode really valuable because we're going to learn a little bit about your journey to Canada um, some of the pitfalls that you may have faced some of the concerns and things like that but also some of your really great successes Um, so I'm really eager to learn and um, as always it's always great to start at the beginning, Harry, and I suppose where we can start is when you first decided that you'd like to practice law. Okay, so I think it was in March 2010 
when I was giving my grade 12 exams. So technically I was a science student during my school mm-hmm. time and I had no inclination towards law, arts or humanities. But And I was a, one of the school toppers till my grade 10th in science. But something hit me up in like grade 11th and 12th and I was wondering what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I love science, but this is not something I want to build a career out of it. Mm. My parents wanted me to go to become an engineer, but I thought otherwise I said I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, I don't know, it just came to me or listening to my friends uh, choosing their career that I want to study law. And then I decided that I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And I think during my second year of law college, I actually started loving law. And I was really happy that I made the decision of pursuing BLLB. Great. And what, um, what law college did you go to? Which one did you attend? Yeah, I went to Punjab University in Chandigarh, India. Okay, great. Is that um, like we can come back to this later, but now that you're here in Canada, have you found that some of your colleagues or others in the industry have come from a similar or the same law college? Yeah, I've uh, seen many of my seniors, my batchmates, even my juniors who are already lawyers here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I know people who are currently in the licensing process also were from the same institution as mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So how long is a, is an LLB um, at Punjab University? How long? Uh, so, uh, yeah. so I did an integrated course, which mm-hmm. is Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of uh, Laws combined. So it right. is a five-year course after grade 12. Wow. Wow. So for somebody who was studying... Um, science in high school, um, you went the exact opposite way, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, and it was really difficult in the first two semesters to (laughs) get used to the, you know, arts uh, way of like uh, giving the exams, Mm -hmm. where they are like, you need to write in detail and just write and write and write essay type answers. Mm -hmm. Because as a science student, we were taught just to write to the point. And mm-hmm. just write good things, be concise and be precise. Mm-hmm. But in in the art subjects and in initially during the like first or second semester, I had a really hard time. Like, wow. yeah, moving it to essay type way of answers. So it was a harder transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I can see that. And but I can actually, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself. Um, it, it's likely that your science training, even in high school, I mean, you, you know, not like you got a PhD, but it helped train you. And like you said, you're answering questions very precisely and succinctly. Um, and now in the practice of law and even preparing for accreditation exams and everything, you always hear you have to be succinct and precise with your answers. So do you think in a weird way, the science training that you had early on may have helped you in understanding that it's not all about writing when you're practicing law. In fact, it's more just getting that, that answer out to a client as quickly and easily and simply as possible. Yeah, I agree. I also think so. 
mm-hmm. it made me like i always believe that quality is always above quantity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so always uh, like like i want to be known as a man of few words right like yeah. what i say is good and concise and does not need any further explanation <laughs> that's ideal especially as a lawyer if you're too confusing yeah. then yeah it won't work out cuz really sometimes i think when you're and there's a lot of people that i speak to who are in the middle of writing exams and practicing law becomes something that you don't even really think about um but really what is it to practice law it's to serve clients your customers right the the you know the the people within society who need your help and um it doesn't do them any good if you're too confusing <laughs> yeah i definitely agree so when you finished your 5 year dual degree um when did you make a decision to like did you begin to practice law in india or did you decide while you were on your degree that you wanted to immigrate to canada how did that come about see uh, during my law degree i was always influenced by the united states of america Mm. <laughs> I went there twice to attend a conference at Harvard University mm-hmm. and I was like I just want to immigrate here and US is my top destination even till now. Mm-hmm. But once I graduated I looked at the options LLM in US was really expensive mm-hmm. and then I talked to my seniors and they guided me well that uh, settling in us after completing your education is not easy mm-hmm. so uh, a friend of mine guided me that you can explore canada as an alternative mm-hmm. and it, it was in 2017 like i had been practicing for one and a half years in back home mm-hmm. so uh, then i decided that i'll uh, immigrate to canada and then i started researching about ncas and the licensing stuff right so you kind of decided that you did want to eventually immigrate to let's say north america um was it was there one thing like you had said and i'm curious like what about the united states really intrigued you like going to harvard for a conference is an amazing experience i can only imagine like you you go you get there and you think oh wouldn't it be amazing if i could just do an LLM here and you know just live down the street and <laughs> you know that that would be great like it, what about the states intrigued you if i'm being honest here you know there were shows like boston legal mm-hmm. yeah and how they portrayed law mm-hmm. and the character alan shore i was really impressed by him <laughs> played by james fedder yeah so i yep. was like i want to live a life like this yeah i i get a lot of that like i was doing my law degree in the uk in 2013 to 2016 and the show that was really big at the time was suits and um all of the all of my classmates knew that show and it really highlighted new york city you know big law as they call it corporate law and uh, that was really exciting <laughs> it was something you you kind of dream about um but when you separate like for you when you separate the dream of of living in that kind of world where with that they portray on the tv it doesn't come to reality most times um and 
but yet you still had this inclination that you really wanted to immigrate. Is that right? Like, was, was there some family for you in Canada or was it well and truly just a personal and professional decision that you made for yourself? Mm, uh, I think I have, uh, it's because I have my extended family here in Canada mm-hmm. and I'm currently living with them. Mm-hmm. So I was sure of one thing that I'll be, it will not be difficult for me to adjust or settle in a foreign country mm-hmm. because I'll be like, I was like, I was mentally prepared that I am leaving my family back home, but I am going to another family of mine in Canada. Right. Yeah. And that must be difficult. I, like, do you ever get, I mean, COVID makes it really hard. Like my, my fiance is from Australia. And so going to Australia was impossible during COVID. In fact, it's still impossible. They still have their borders closed, but they're opening soon. But what's that like for you? Like when you, when you leave family in India, but you come to family here, obviously it's natural. You miss your family. Do you manage to get back often or do you do FaceTiming? I'm just thinking of somebody like you, Harry, who's in India or Pakistan or Nigeria or anywhere in the world who might want to come to Canada, but they're worried that they won't, you know, they'll miss their family or they won't be able to see them. So how did you overcome that? Or how do you deal with that? That is actually a very (laughs) emotional thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see, sometimes emotion, I get overwhelmed by emotions. Mm -hmm. Then I give a call to my parents and they are like, we want the best for you. Yeah, it's your right age to focus on your career. And like these days, when we talk on video call, it's just like that I am with them. Mm -hmm. So I do not like uh, miss them too much. Mm -hmm. But yeah, deep down, always, I'm like every second thought I have every day is about my family back in India. Mm. I can only imagine. And it's sort of similar in a sense, like, we FaceTime my fiance's family a lot. Um, And you do feel like you can catch up, but there's always, you know, of course it's natural to miss. And it's just one of those things. And it sounds like it's it's really great for you to have really supportive parents who understand that now is Harry's time. (laughs) Harry needs to build his career. And um, so on on that note, when you come to Canada, what city do you decide to live in? Do Do you make that decision before you come? I knew that my relatives were living in Brampton. So mm-hmm. that's where I wanted to come. Okay. And I came to Brampton and I stayed here for six months. I started my NC assessment once I immigrated to Canada. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was in March 2019. Mm-hmm. And I gave my first NC exam here in Canada in August. And then I went back to India in September 2019. Right. And did you do the rest of the exams when you were in India? Yeah, I did my rest four NC exams in India and also the the bar exams in India last year. I see. Great. So perfect segue, Harry, to the NCA. So you moved to Brampton, Ontario. You're getting settled and then you start looking into the, the NCA process. How did you first learn about the NCA? Was it seniors like you had mentioned in your, in your college back in India that helped guide you? Um, how did you figure out what you needed to do? 
yeah uh my seniors my batchmates my friends who were in like we were in the same boat mm-hmm. so like we had no external guidance so we everyone did their own research and at the end of the day we discussed and then we made a strategy and all of us moved forward that's great so it's like you you became a team and that that helps <laughs> i can imagine that would help with motivation right because it is a bit of a long process isn't it and um you know if somebody fails an exam god forbid or it, it can be very disheartening and you can say oh what's the point so it sounds like for you it was really helpful to get together with like-minded people who had the same goal yes definitely mm-hmm. you know uh, once i had completed my nc exams after that i was introduced to this whole like the many nca groups on facebook where people help <laughs> mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. and i was like oh i wish i knew about this and right. like my process would have been much smoother mm-hmm. if i knew that uh, so much help is available yeah it's really exploded hasn't it harry like you can see on instagram there's all kinds of different organizations now for almost every province and like it's it is really great like back back in our day we can say um there wasn't really anything like that out there but it, i think the pandemic helped like a lot of people were sitting at home and thinking okay you know maybe i can do this that or the other thing um and all of a sudden there's all kinds of supports for nca students now it's great yeah i'm really glad that people are helping people are reaching out mm-hmm. and i always try to if anyone reaches out to me for guidance i'm always there for them what would you say is on that note harry what would you say is the most common question you get from people who reach out to you what what would you say people more often than not would ask you i think the most common question i get and i find it to be really funny mm-hmm. that uh, how much do you earn as a lawyer <laughs> i know and, it's impossible to say isn't it harry yeah and i am like you guys are not even in the licensing process you are yet to start your nca <laughs> then you will do the bar exam then you will do the exp- the articling and all Mm-hmm. by the time as it things will be we never know by that time what will be the scenario mm-hmm. and they are like no we want to make a decision right today that <laughs> do we want to immigrate to a new country and i'm like i will not answer such question yeah and i always tell them that if you make your decision on like immigrating to canada if the basis of your decision is money and then that's a wrong decision mm-hmm. money is always secondary Yeah. And it's like um for law in particular, if you have your own solo practice, um it's hard to say how much. Like some people do very well, some people do okay. Um if you work on Bay Street in Toronto, you'll make a certain amount of money. Um if you work in a smaller firm um in the country, you'll make a certain like it's not easy to say that there's a flat rate. that lawyers will earn and it's something that i get asked to and actually you can see some schools like will say oh if you take this program you can you have the potential to earn xyz amount of dollars but um i agree with you that it's first of all hard to tell how much somebody would make who knows where we'll be in 4 years 
um, but also um, not a good reason to enter into a profession. I think you have to really enjoy the work because if you don't, I think you'll agree, you won't even get through the, the licensing process. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. So there was a, you know, a relative of mine who visited our house during my first semester exams. Mm -hmm. And he's like a really accomplished individual, highly educated. And one day he started like talking to me. And at that time I was like really angry that why is he lecturing me? But he mm -hmm. sent some phrases that Harry, follow your passion. Harry, if you want to desire something, first you need to be deserving. Mm. And those phrases just, I just, you know, I can still hear his voice, his voice in my head. Mm -hmm. And that is what like that five minutes of meeting with him, that is what shaped my life. Right. So I, I was always passionate about immigration law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I knew the day I became a lawyer, I'm going to be an immigration lawyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. And it's it sort of, it is true that you never know who or what will really stick with you or inspire you. Um, but really it's, it's so important to get out there and to listen to people like for you, Harry, if you're giving advice, I think not everybody is going to hear everything you say. Um, you know, people listening to this podcast, not everybody is going to listen to the whole episode maybe, but if they hear one little thing that helps them, that's, that's all you can ask for. Um, so NCAs, you did one in Canada and then you went to India, um, and the pandemic had allowed for online exam rating. Um, and that's new, um, relatively speaking before people from other jurisdictions, whether it's the UK, Australia, or India would have to go to physical exam centers. And in some cases, particularly in India, you would have to fly to these places and like make, you know, it's a whole big thing, but now all of a sudden you can write them online. How did you find that? Was that tricky for you or did you prefer it to be online? Okay, so I gave the physical exams in India. Oh. My exams were over by January, 2020. Oh, just before the and pandemic. I, yeah, I just before the pandemic. So yeah. what was that like then? That Now you're you're an old dinosaur now, Harry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did you have to fly to, to a test center or, or no? Um, my, how, my like hometown was just uh, three hours away from the, from New Delhi where mm -hmm. the test center is. Mm -hmm. So I okay. used to drive there. I see. That's a long drive. And when you went to the test centers, how many people were there writing with you? I think 40 or 50. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So did you manage to have some of your colleagues and some of the people on your quote unquote team join you in, in writing those exams on those days? Or were yeah, you I was, I was surprised to see many of my friends there. <laughs> and they had never told me that they are in the licensing process or they are even they are thinking of immigrating to Canada. <laughs> so it was a bit of a surprise when I saw them there giving the exam with me. Interesting. And so how did you find the exams? Did you find them difficult, um, similar or different from what you were used to on your LLB? 
what was that like i believe nca exams are completely different right because back in india they test our knowledge like mm-hmm. how much can you retain from the textbook mm-hmm. and it's just like you just cram and you write the exact book language and you'll get good marks right but the mm-hmm. thing about nca is these are open book they check your interpretation of the law your understanding your criticism your like analysis right and that is what i like about it that mm. they bring out the individuality in you like what is your thinking what is your frame of mind right what is your interpretation of interpretation I mean, yeah as i understand like um you know there's various let's say case studies that you have to work through in an exam and some fictional scenarios and they sort of ask you to to assess what laws are involved and and how let's say the claimant or the defendant will make out in the end things like that um so it is kind of putting you in the position as a a future lawyer and thinking in a way um rather than just memorizing things right yeah mm-hmm. that is a good thing yeah and a good approach right and do you find like do you know many of your colleagues like did you do pretty well with the nca exams were there any struggles or any kind of hiccups or issues that you came across not as such i think nca exams are pretty easy mm-hmm. the bar exams are really tough mm. ncas so- are doable as long as you know what to expect in the exam how to write Mm-hmm. if you know the iraq approach then you're good to go right yep iraq definitely you hear that <laughs> for people who don't know what iraq is look it up <laughs> and follow that methodologies so you mentioned the bar exam and i've spoken to many people on the podcast who kind of share a similar view as you that the ncas well they're not the easiest thing in the world it's pass fail um you know it's as long as you do your studying um and you follow the correct method to answer questions you should be okay um what was your bar exam preparation like okay so when i prepared for the bar exams there was lockdown in india mm-hmm. and back in india the lockdown was like strict curfew they enforced it very strictly mm-hmm. so i had nothing else to do just to prepare and my i had just only one focus and that was to prepare for the bar exams mm-hmm. so i studied as per my own time and i think i started studying in april or and the bar exams were delayed like mm-hmm. the june session exams were held in july mm-hmm. and the solicitor exam i gave in august so wow. i had back plenty of time to struggle yeah that's good but did you study like full time or did you just kind of like what was your i think people listening um who are in a similar circumstance or they're preparing for their bar exams now they want to know how long does it take to study or how long should i give myself to study um and how often so if you said you started um in april did you say uh, or like yeah. so if you start studying in april was that full time studying or in the evenings weekends how did that go I think I was studying for 5 to 6 hours a day. 
Wow. My method of studying is really different and I never recommend it to anyone. <laughs> Sounds so I was studying like, yeah, uh, my memorization is really good. Right. So I've never used indices in the exam. Wow. So my memorizing cramming was really good. Sometimes when the question came and I knew, oh, this question is in this chapter, this page number without even looking at the indices. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, I just so you're lucky studied, in that yeah. yeah, yeah. That that is what I'm happy with the Indian education system. They mm. make your memorization really good. Right. They train you. And so yeah, maybe yeah. it's more effective in the bar exams. That's <laughs> interesting. Um <laughs> yeah. so like a lot of people with NCA stuff and even and especially bar exams, they look to get assistance, like help from tutors. And, you know, they purchase notes and they have, you know, mentors and things like that that help them through because it's a big, huge exam and it means a lot and it costs money to write. So you want to make sure you do everything you can to succeed. Did you have a tutor at all or like what what are your thoughts on that? What should what should candidates who are looking to write their bar exam start thinking about? So I personally didn't have a tutor. Mm -hmm. But I was in touch with my friends who were giving the bar exams at that time, mm -hmm. who ha who were taking tutoring. So if I had a doubt, they I would ask them and they would let me know. Right. Or they would explain some concepts to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And gotcha. advice to future candidates is that everyone is different. I know some people who do not require tutoring. And I know some people who would not have cleared the exams if they had not opted for tutoring. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it all depends upon your uh, schedule, your way of learning, your mode of retention. So it all depends on that. Yeah, I agree. I think it really does. Uh, you By now, I mean, if you're in your mid-20s or in your, in your 30s and you're thinking of coming to Canada to write your NCAs or your bar exams, you know generally what your learning style is like Harry it sounds like you you knew yourself and you knew that if you did this amount of studying you could retain a lot of it and remember it on the day whereas me if I was sitting beside you studying there's no way I could do that <laughs> I might benefit let's say from a tutor who can give me a different strategy because my memorization skills aren't as good um, so yeah, everybody's a little bit different and that's why there is no right or wrong way to, to prepare. Is that right? Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. Mm -hmm. So did you pass your bar exams on the first attempt? Yes, I did. Congratulations. That's a big accomplishment, Harry. Thank you so much. So when you passed your bar exams, you were like, perfect. Now I can practice law. Um, but then... I think even some people lose sight of the fact that actually it's not quite the case yet. You still need to have that experiential training component done. So did you need to do articling or did you have an exemption or abridgment? How did you find your experiential training in Ontario? So I opted for exemption. Mm-hmm. So, and which I think was not a right decision on my part. Uh-huh. Interesting. Because now that, yeah, now that I'm in the profession, I always tell people to 
go for articling and if you can't find articling do lpp it is mm-hmm. a must the lpp because, at ryerson yeah. yeah at ryerson yeah because the day i became a lawyer in ontario i was clueless i had no clue how to do what to do how law firms operate here what machinery to use what software to use mm-hmm. and they and these things cannot be taught so if you are doing articling these things come uh, this uh, this knowledge comes to you with experience right mm-hmm. so i had gladly opt- opted for exemption and i was like oh my uh, licensing process will happen finish soon and i'll be a lawyer and then i'll be like making loads of money what mm-hmm. they say that lawyer is a mm-hmm. lawyering is a high earning profession <laughs> but in reality it's not you need to work on yourself and then yeah. again my relatives phrase <laughs> that you need to be deserving before you want to desire something right you have to put the work in yeah and so that's interesting though that you say you got exemption because you know if you can do something quicker the chances are that's what you want to do and also i don't know you probably heard articling is difficult to get um who knows where you're going to have to get it how you're going to get it it's hard to find articling particularly if you're not in canada i mean i can imagine that that would be pretty daunting so if you opt for exemption you don't have to do articling and you get called to the bar and you have your your licensing number and you're off there you go but you hit on something there that you know writing the exams and and passing the ncas and knowing a little bit about the constitution is one thing but practicing law in real life is totally different and um it sounds like it's it's so valuable to have that real learning on the job opportunity yeah i agree mhm because no. i see as as a foreign law graduate like if i myself i did the ncas i did the bar exams but i didn't know anything about the work culture in ontario mhm and that is the that is equally important in becoming a lawyer in canada so yeah. i wish i if i had the opportunity to go back in time and opt for lpp i would have done that Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, there you go. If somebody is listening, um, maybe maybe that's that's helped them make a decision too, Harry. Because I think I agree with you, and I hear from a lot of people that that say, "Don't skip the articling or the LPP. It's important because you may want to practice on your own. That's fine." Um, but like you said you don't have the first idea of of what you need to do in order to practice so how are you doing now with your practice given you've had some time uh, i'm sure it was a very steep learning curve and you probably had some help from colleagues and others um in the industry but how do you find it now i find uh, as of now i feel that we are doing pretty good mhm so the journey was not smooth so we've had our up, ups and downs mm-hmm. but it is a good journey and the experience makes you a good learner mm-hmm. i am at a like 
I know I am at a better place than I was six months before. Mm-hmm. So every day we learn new things, learn about new matters, learn about new techniques, learn about new immigration programs. Mm-hmm. So it is a ongoing learning process. But one thing is that I always like want to give back to the NCA students. So I've always extended opportunities that if someone wants to volunteer in my firm as a law clerk or legal assistant, I will gladly give that opportunity to ITLs or NCA students. Wow, that's great. And I hope everybody's listening to the whole interview because that is hugely valuable for candidates. There's all kinds of people who say, oh, I couldn't get this job because I didn't have any Canadian experience. Um, and really, Canadian experience can be volunteering um, at a firm. And uh, that's great that you can open your doors, Harry, to, to accept somebody who might be interested in, in learning how things work here. So um, that's great, Harry. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this today. Um, I, I know I've learned a lot. I hope the listeners did. And it sounds like it was one heck of a journey for you. Um, and it's not over yet. Uh, you, you're learning every day. Um, but, you, you know, thus far, you've accomplished a lot. Um, and, you know, I'm sure the sky's the limit for you in the future. Yeah, and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And regarding the journey thing, I just want to say that this is just a start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I believe we have so many milestones to hit mm-hmm. and want to achieve a lot in life and at the same time give back to the society. There you go. That's that's the way to do it, Harry. Congratulations on, on everything that you've managed to accomplish thus far and, and best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that does it for this episode. As always, thank you to my guest, Harry. I really appreciate you taking some time to speak to me. Um, For the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Wherever you get your podcast, be it Spotify, iTunes, you can feel free to give this one a plug and give it a bit of a rating and a good review. Um, If you have any ideas for future episodes, I'm always open on social media. Um, Please feel free to reach out to me at any time. Until next time, we'll talk again.